0: Let me add my welcome. Uh, my name is Paul Reese, and I serve as the lead pastor here. And uh, is Fiona Farrell around? It's Fiona's last Sunday, so please make sure you say goodbye to her. She's going off to Oban. Uh, and so every blessing on you, Fiona, as you had to do that. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Liam and I uh, met with some of the deacons of Boness Baptist. And the story of Bonus Baptist is that in the 1970s, uh, some young families moved uh, to, to the community and reconstituted a Baptist church there, and they own land and a building. But now the congregation is down to about 20 to 30 people. Two young families have recently joined, but the rest have been retired for many years. They've got resources to pay for a pastor, but no candidates. Uh, they're part of the baptist union of scotland which is about 150 churches but there are currently no baptist pastors looking for pastorates will a baptist gospel witness remain in Boness in five years time now that situation is true in other towns and communities around scotland and the north of england uh, Brethren, Baptists, some independent evangelical churches are aging and shrinking and closing around Scotland. Will there be gospel preaching congregations in the towns of our nation? If you go to the cities, you're going to find gospel preaching churches. What about the towns and smaller communities? How will communities like Boness be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, what does God have to say to us? I want to suggest to you, he wants to tell us things from 2 Timothy, so please open that. Uh, 2 Timothy, and you'll find that on page 1195 in the Church Bibles, page 1195, 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is the last recorded letter from the Apostle Paul, uh, written around AD 65, AD 67, to a younger Christian leader called Timothy who he had trained up, he deployed to the region of Ephesus. And Paul was, at that time of writing, in prison for preaching the gospel. It looked like his time on earth was coming to an end. His apostolic ministry would soon be gone. This is a pivotal moment for the cause of Christ. And at the same time, key Christian leaders had deserted. They were ashamed of Paul's sufferings and Paul's gospel, and they pushed off. If you look back at chapter 1, verse 15, You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygellus and Homogenes. So let's read from chapter 2 then to hear what Paul's plan was for the gospel to continue to thrive and spread in a time of suffering and desertion. So look at chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus." No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, For the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. This is God's word. Now verse 7 reminds us to to gain spiritual and practical insight from his word. We have to think our hardest thoughts, think deeply about the word of God. But we need to do so in prayerful dependence upon the Lord. Because the Lord gives us insight. So let's just pray before we dig in. Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, make us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So how can gospel ministry spread and thrive when there's suffering and desertion? Well, Paul wrote to Timothy to urge him to do three things here. Firstly, entrust. Secondly, endure and thirdly, to remember the reward. That's what we're going to look at this morning. So firstly, entrust. While Christian leaders were deserting their roles and ministries, Paul wrote to put courage into Timothy, to urge him to stay strong and faithful as a Christian leader. 2 verse 1, you. Yes, I'm talking to you, Timothy. This is a very personal letter my son the reminder of the deep affection that paul had for timothy who he had trained up as a gospel worker you then my son don't follow the contagion of the deserters be strong when others are weak and folding you be strong now there are are commands all through this letter Uh, that Paul urges on Timothy, but what we need to see is that he doesn't expect Timothy to depend on himself to fulfill these, but on Jesus Christ. Be strong in what? In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, I urge you, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, there are times, I think, where we all need this reminder. Are we becoming weary uh, as a Sunday school teacher of teaching these children who seem very distracted every single week or at rooted. Are we discouraged by the uh, patchy attendance of people in our Bible study group or uh, in our ministry teams? Are we feeling that there are not many people willing to serve as leaders with us in our church? Are we disheartened by hearing of pastors falling away through sin and unfaithfulness? We need if that's the case, to find fresh strength and grace from Christ Jesus. You see, stickability and resilience in Christian ministry springs from daily dependence on God. Drawing near to Jesus through prayer, quietening yourself before you get into the day, listening to him through reading his word, Calling on God to fulfill his promises for you in your ministry, in your context. Seeking his Holy Spirit to freshly empower you, to give you a love and joy because of all that Jesus is and all that he's done for you. For who is the one who wants to strengthen us? Well, just the very person who it says in chapter 1 verse 10 has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. That's the one who can strengthen us. The one who smashed death. This King Jesus, raised from the dead, seated at God's right hand, has has promised that he will be with us until the very end of the age to provide the resources that we need to stay steady and be strong. And notice here that he blesses us not because we deserve it, but because of his grace. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you think, well, yeah, I'm feeling weak, but I don't don't feel I deserve God God to give. Strengthen me to answer my prayers. I I don't feel I match up to my own expectations, let alone others. And, And if you're disheartened or discouraged today, church members or deacons or staff or elders or pastors, King Jesus wants to bless us and put strength in us, and it's all of his grace. We don't deserve it. But he wants to strengthen us, so be strong. Come to the king. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And strengthened by grace, Timothy is to do two things that will enable the cause of the gospel to thrive and spread. And the first is this. He must entrust the gospel. Verse 2. Look at verse 2. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. The cause of the gospel will continue and thrive when we pass it on. Jesus had entrusted the gospel to Paul. He is an apostle, a herald, a preacher sent out by Jesus with his good news. Jesus sent him out to to reach the, the, the Gentiles out in the world to call them to repent and believe and find their salvation through trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul had entrusted this gospel that had been entrusted to him by Jesus, he'd entrusted it to Timothy. Uh, Back in chapter 1, verse 13, What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. And so now it was vital for Timothy To entrust that same gospel to others. The things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. We're not free to make up our own message. We're called to be postmen who pass it on, to faithfully deliver the message that we have received. Passing on the apostolic gospel that we find in the New Testament. In the Bibles. And Timothy's job now was to make sure that he passed it on. And he was to look for people with specific characteristics. People with conviction, competence, and character. So he says to him, look, I want you to uh, entrust it to reliable people. That's the word for faithfulness. Uh, these are people who believe and are faithful to the truth of the gospel. They've got conviction about the words. And he's to look for people who are um, reliable, who are also able to qualify to teach others. That's the, the competence. You're looking for people who have clarity of mind and speech, who themselves can pass on the gospel to others. And Paul's vision for the salvation of people he had never met was extraordinary because there's many generations in view here, aren't there? There's at least three. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful people, and those faithful people will pass it on to others. And so his vision was actually not even just simply to spread geographically. His vision was to actually Uh, spread it forward into time to make sure that even children perhaps not yet born would hear the gospel from the reliable people who are able to pass it on and whatever gospel ministry the lord has given to you um, whether it's sunday school growth groups yak if eldership uh, or pastor successful ministry is not actually just about teaching the people in front of you it is about teaching in such a way that you are equipping and recruiting and deploying people who are able to teach others. It is this vision of multiplication of ministry that the Apostle Paul had, even as he was in prison, uh, with, his, with the end being near. See, a healthy church is one where there's always an intentional pipeline of raising up and recognizing New Bible teachers, new small group leaders, new elders, new evangelists, new preachers, new pastors. And so let me ask you, if you're involved in a a ministry of teaching others, who are you currently investing in to to do the teaching role that you're currently doing? Every person should have their eye on the next person, the next generation, the next individual who can share in the privilege and the responsibility. Who are the reliable people in your group who come to your ministry that you can train and encourage and give opportunity to so they're able to teach and train others with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is one of the privileged ministries that we have at Charlotte Chapel uh, to be a training church uh, that sends out reliable people able to teach the Bible to others. And I want to thank the church uh, if you are sacrificially giving to enable this our ministry apprenticeship, our pastoring training programs. Last weekend, uh, Sharon and I were at the Grace Mount Community Church Weekend Away, and it was a joy to see that church planted about, what, five years ago, something like that, five, six years ago. And uh, we were invited to go, and I, I spoke at their weekend away, and it was amazing. There were 60 to 70 people there, and uh, it, it's extraordinary the number of non-Christians that came to the church weekend away, their, their connections with the community. And it was wonderful to meet people who had got saved because we trained up and equipped somebody who's gone out and taught others and is leading a church that's reaching out with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's thrilling, isn't it? It thrills me anyway. That Your faces don't thrill. I'm thrilled. Be thrilled with me. You know, there are people in Hoyk who've become Christians because we trained up Martin Smith and deployed him and sent him to Hoyk and others went with him. And uh, have strengthened the work. And, um, and people are getting saved in Hoyk. Because we've sent out trained people. So please pray as we interview people for the two apprenticeship slots coming up. Uh, that uh, we would be able to find people with conviction and competence and character. That we can pour into And it's character that's really stressed in verses 3 to 7. Because it's vital that we keep looking to entrust the gospel to reliable people, qualified to teach others, but they they need to have a certain character. And the character is this, that they're able to endure hardship. This is a recurring theme in the letter. Uh, Back in chapter 1, verse 8, Join with me in suffering for the gospel, Paul says to Timothy. And then he repeats it again in in chapter 2, verse 3. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Perhaps Timothy was in danger of choosing an easier way, which involved not suffering. And so Paul's urging him, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. While some are deserting as Christian leaders... You are called to endure the hardships of gospel ministry, to be a good soldier who stands their ground and obeys the orders of King Jesus. Next Sunday will be a Sunday where we're going to ordain Ashley Gardner. Uh, He's shown himself to be reliable and to be qualified to teach others, and we're delighted that he's going to be uh, heading on to do gospel work. We're sad he's leaving us, but we're thrilled for people in Norwich at City Gates to benefit from his ministry. Now we've done all the hard work of training, he's leaving. No, no, we're thrilled. We're thrilled that he's going to do useful work. Now, what expectations should Ashley have of living out this calling of pastoral ministry? Full disclosure, Ashley, it's going to involve suffering and hardship. We look forward to dating you next week. It requires perseverance and endurance like a good soldier. The call to guard the gospel, to faithfully teach it, to entrust it to others will always meet some opposition and hardship. Sometimes that comes from outside the church and sometimes from people within it who don't want to hear the Bible's call to repentance from sin, to trust Christ and be fully obedient to King Jesus. And so it requires a certain character and clarity of perspective. And Paul gives three kind of secular illustrations of of jobs that reflect on this. The soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. And, And if you think about them, they're all three roles which you voluntarily choose, by and large, involve some sort of hardship, but that hardship leads to a rewarding goal. Let's think about them. The good soldier... Verse 4, it's an example of courageous and undistracted duty. As you know, Shona and I were in uh, Jerusalem on October the 7th when Hamas attacked and killed many, took hostages. And uh, the sirens were going off. We had to go into the bunkers and all that sort of stuff. Well, the next day, I took my hire car back to the airport because I didn't know how long we were going to be in Israel. I didn't want to keep paying for this hire car. And on the way back into Jerusalem on the train, it was so sobering. There were all these young people, men and women, about the ages of my children, in army fatigues, carrying large backpacks with significant guns, about to head off to the front line of conflict. And it's a reminder, it takes great courage, doesn't it? To be a soldier, to answer the call. The IDF had called up so many reservists, tens of thousands. They had to leave their everyday work life and jobs to obey the orders of their superior officers. Well, this is is the image in chapter 2, verse 4. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. What's the hardship here? It's the hardship of dedicating yourself to fulfill the mission of your commanding officer. The everyday life of personal choices and personal freedoms needs to be sacrificed for a higher purpose in order to fulfill the mission assigned to us. And there is a reward. The reward of receiving the commendation of your commanding officer. And so we've got three baptisms today, and each person getting baptized today, is, as Ashley said at the beginning, they're saying they're now living for Jesus Christ as their Captain and king, under the water, dying to self, coming out of the water, raised to life with Jesus in his resurrection, living to please the Lord Jesus who died for them and who rose for them. So that one day, when we meet him face to face, we might hear the commendation, well done, good and faithful servant. about the disciplined athlete of verse five you see if you want to get a medal at the olympics uh, you need to well you need to start training now you need to make daily choices to endure the hardship of training you get up early you get to the track you push yourself you can't spend your time lazing around on the sofa eating lots of crisps watching tv endlessly you're not going to get to the olympics that way verse five similarly Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Every sport has rules, uh, and you have to submit to the rules and requirements to win. You know, athletes today have to submit to regular drugs testing to prove they're not cheating by taking performance enhancing drugs. You have to be disciplined, you have to be focused just to reach the level required to compete in the Olympics. And then you will have the potential reward of a medal. Thirdly, the hardworking farmer. Uh, I don't know whether you watch uh, Clarkson's Farm uh, on Amazon Prime. I think a new series is coming. I, I, I can't wait for the next one. I really love it. And wh- what, you, what you see is how hard it is to actually make a profit as a farmer. And you're working every single day. Largely, you're working most days. I'm not sure Jeremy is, but certainly uh, Caleb is. Uh, Charlie seems quite busy and the incomprehensible Gerald. But it is hard to make food for the market. Whatever the weather, whatever the temperature, you need to get out of bed and take care of your animals. Make sure the jobs are done so the crops will grow. And if you do the work, you will get rewarded. Is that at the end of each season, Jeremy sits there, the harvest, rejoicing at the, at the goods gathered in. Verse 6, the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Three roles that you voluntarily choose involve some sort of hardship, but that hardship leads to a rewarding goal. And the work of gospel ministry, of preaching and teaching, and entrusting and training, is a work that requires character, courageous discipline, and hard work. But there's a wonderful reward if we don't become cowardly deserters, cheating athletes, or lazy farmers. So Timothy, strengthened by the grace of that is in Christ Jesus, entrust the gospel to others and join with me in suffering now for the wonderful rewards ahead. And the third thing we need to see this morning is how Paul underlines this reward. Remember the reward for those who endure. So he's got three secular jobs and then he turns to three spiritual examples. Remember Jesus Christ, verse 8. Remember Paul the Apostle, verses 9 and 10. And remember the trustworthy saying. And in all three, there's a clear gospel pattern, shape. Those who endure suffering now receive eternal glory. So remember Jesus Christ, verse 8. Raised from the dead, descended from David. Raised from the dead, what a day of glory that was. Jesus, the promised king, descended from David, who will rule over God's everlasting kingdom in glory. But to receive the joy of the kingdom, Jesus first experienced suffering and hardship. The cross, the crown of thorns, preceded the crown. Remember Paul, the apostle, verses 9 and 10. This was the gospel that Paul preached, and his ministry was cross-shaped, just like Jesus, his Savior and Lord. So there he is, verse 9. He's suffering for preaching the gospel. He's in prison, in chains, those heavy chains, shamefully treated like a criminal. But you know what? He's not depressed, because he knows that God's word is not chained. It's, It's an amazing vision he's got. You know, Paul continued to testify to the gospel in prison. You remember to the letter to church in Philippi. He says the whole palace guard had heard about uh, why he was in chains. You know, you, you knew the story that the, the, the new soldier guards would turn up. Why are you in prison? Oh, let me tell you. And he, he would tell them the gospel. And he'd done the work of entrusting the gospel to others like Timothy. So now that others are preaching the gospel elsewhere. And he's writing letters so that... Well, still today, the gospel is being spread throughout the world as people read the New Testament letters of Paul. God's word is continuing to spread everywhere today through books, through online resources, through videos, through sermons, through gospel literature. And we, uh, we support many great initiatives of translating it into languages so that other people are going to hear it in far-flung places. God's word is not changed. Now, what motivated Paul to keep going through the hardship? Well, look at verse 10. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul endured the hardship because his eyes were on the reward of eternal glory. For all those God would save through his gospel ministry. Paul had no doubt God's chosen people, the elect, would be saved through people like him preaching the gospel to them. And here we see that the biblical doctrine of election motivated his mission. God had chosen to save specific people and he's chosen to save them through hearing the gospel through people. And the question is, are we going to be like soldiers, athletes and farmers willing to endure hardship now in order to share the gospel with them so that they will stand with us in glory? What a day that will be. Looking around and saying, oh yeah, i played a part in them standing here praising Jesus. My friends, that is going to be such a thrill for all eternity. Paul, writing to the church in Philippi again, he, he says, uh, speaks to these people who had been saved through his ministry, and he says to them, you are my joy and my crown. The reward that Paul's looking forward to is seeing all these other people standing with him in eternal glory. And my friends, if all of our life efforts were expended to see one person coming to know and trust Jesus and be saved for all eternity, that would be a life well lived, for each person has eternal value. So remember the reward. Remember Jesus, remember Paul. Thirdly, remember the trustworthy saying in verses 11 to 13. Now, this could well have been a well-known poem, or maybe even a hymn. Maybe there were some uh, first century Keith and Kristen Gettys who've written a great tune to this. There's four conditional statements, if we, we will, or if we, he will. And I would suggest to you that the first two are immensely encouraging, and the last two are a warning. So the pattern that we have seen in the ministry of Jesus and Paul is the same pattern for our Christian discipleship. Suffering now with glory to come. Here's a trustworthy saying, verse 11. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. You see, if we're willing to die to self, which is what is being pictured in the baptism here, if we're willing to die to the the desperate desire to cling on to our own safety and self-preservation then we will share life with Jesus in glory. If we endure hardships for the sake of Jesus and his gospel, we will reign with Jesus in the new creation. What's it going to be like? Well, it's, it's hard to picture what eternal glory will be like, but it's going to be like being invited to Buckingham Palace and meeting the king and, uh, and receiving the reward The joy of that day, it's going to be like crossing the line, finishing the race, the crowds cheering, and and someone coming and putting a medal. Done. It's going to be like gathering the harvest. The barns are full. The day of feasting has, has begun, which never ends, and you don't need any antacids to enjoy it. What a day it will be. That's what Jesus taught those disciples who want to follow him. Mark chapter 8 says this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. But I think too we need to hear the profound warning of those who desert. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So Phygelus and Homogenes. We're going to hear about Hymenaeus and Philetus as we read on. And then Demas in chapter 4. Well, if these leaders remained in that state of disowning Jesus, then on that final day, Jesus will disown them. Away from me, I, I never knew you. Jesus will remain faithful to his word. He is able to guard his gospel right down through history until he returns. But those who preached it once and subsequently disown it will not experience salvation and enter into the glorious eternal kingdom of Jesus. Jesus made that clear again in Mark 8, didn't he? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. When he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. What's going to turn around the decline of gospel ministry in the towns of Scotland and North England? We're going to require many more good soldiers of Christ Jesus. Who understand the work of gospel ministry is about entrusting the gospel. Enduring hardships or suffering involved in gospel ministry. And resiliently persevering because they are strengthened by the grace of Jesus, knowing that the reward is going to be worth it all. Invite the band up. Because there's one gospel that we proclaim. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the encouragements of this section, and we were sobered by the warnings. We want to thank you that there is grace for us in King Jesus. And we pray that we may be good soldiers of Jesus Christ in this generation. That you'd be pleased to continue using us, that you'd fill us with your spirit, that we may be bright witnesses. Would you continue to raise up within our churches? Um, those who will preach the gospel, share the gospel, lead Bible study groups, be elders and leaders, teach Sunday school, invest in the next generation. Oh Lord, we look to you that you would continue this gospel work in our generation. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing.